to the West there, and that goose was pretty much cooked, even with all the drama that played out. Don't you think? I do. Yeah, the writing yeah. was on the wall. I don't. It, it's it's like a lot of these um, these types of committees and commissions uh, and work groups with stakeholders and the like. Uh, there is an idea of where they want to get to. And then everything is built around inducing that particular outcome. So, uh, yes, I mean, I large, I think that the uh, the standards we're getting at rewritten, uh, you know, to some large degree, uh, it's just a question of how much influence they would be able to have before that happened. And and with that in mind, that's what makes it almost more amazing what we saw with that editorial cartoon from RAL because what prompted it was this issue that was kind of a non-issue in the sense that. It, the train was, you know, the train was running and it, it probably wasn't going to stop based on the, the makeup of the board. And that's when they chose to pull out of their scabbard, a, a, a comparing the first black lieutenant governor to a Klan member. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing that that's when you want to burn that. And I don't think they're going to pay a penalty at all. I agree with you. I don't think they'll pay any kind of price whatsoever, because that's one of the benefits of having that big D shield. Uh, you get to say this kind of stuff about your political opponents. And let, let, let's be clear. Uh, what this again, like the cartoonist here, is literally a social studies teacher of eighth graders at, at uh, in Smithfield, and yep. uh, so one of the people that will be educating children based off of these critical race theory standards that are now embedded in our curriculum, and he drew the cartoon that is calling the board members on the state board of education Klansmen. And the reason he says that they are Klansmen is because, as Seth Efron, who, by the way, used to be the comms guy for two previous Democratic governors and now is the uh, the opinion editor for WRAL's parent company, Capital Broadcast Company, right? They He says that the editorial cartoons are creative and they're provocative. No one believes Republicans are members of the Klan. Of course, they just drew really? a cartoon depicting them as such. The editorial cartoon is meant to point out, he says, that members of the state board are trying to wipe out from the social studies curriculum the record of racism, which includes the Klan. And that's a lie. That is, that's a flat-out lie. The Board of Education Republican members have, have lobbied for no such thing. And now you've drawn a cartoon of them as Klansmen, one of whom is, uh, yes, you got the first black lieutenant governor, Mark Robinson. You also have Olivia Oxendine. Dr. Oxendine is a Lumbee Indian. Literally grew up uh, where the Lumbees were doing battle, street battles with the Klan. And you're calling them Klansmen. Like, so at some point, guys, you have to be held accountable for the kind of corrosive, divisive uh, argument style, this rhetoric that you employ against your opponents. You can't keep calling everybody members of the Klan because they disagree with you about critical race theory and its level of importance and influence in curriculum. It's it's outrageous. But I, I agree. They're not going to pay a price, although they should. It's just, it's just absolutely disgusting. And and it begs the question, where, what do you do next time? Because this isn't the only disagreement that RAL is going to have with Mark Robinson. I nope. guarantee that. Mm-hmm. So where where do you go from here? Do Are we going Nazi? And then, and, then, um, <laughs> and then where do you go from there? I used to ask this during Trump. I'm like, okay, you went literal Nazi. Yeah. Where do you go? Right. Where do you go from literal Nazi? 
<laughs> All right, just if you kind of shot the wad there, it's yeah, there's nothing left. I'm not really sure. And that is actually a reference to ammunition. It's not any kind of it's not anyway. So point is like, yeah, there when you when you are constantly doing this one upsmanship uh, and, and you're constantly going more and more extreme. Yes, you, you eventually like you've exhausted. Was it the Godwin uh, uh, principle? Right. You've already mentioned right. the Nazis. And so like the debate is now over, which I suspect is actually what they want to do that's the purpose is let's just call them a nazi and get the conversation over because when you believe that you are right and there is no legitimate opposing view then there's no point in having this discussion any longer and i ran into this in actually trying to discuss what the uh standards are about like for example this idea and this is really what it comes down to is critical race theory and the idea that uh the institution of american legal uh the system is inherently racist Okay, if it's inherently racist, then that means there's really nothing anybody can do about it because it is inherently racist. Right. And if you don't try to tear it down, then that means you're complicit in the racism. Right. And so you can see where this leads. It's much like we mentioned at the beginning, where there's an outcome that they want and they will induce the outcome through the method. And the method here is critical race theory and calling it systemic racism, because then you have to tear it down. You're compelled to do so and replace it with you want to take a guess? It's going to be some sort of Marxist kind of ideology. That's the well, point. Well, kind of, kind of, I, because there's this, there's a lovely middle ground that that gives you so many levers of control. Mm-hmm. When when you control the language, you control the history, and uh, without getting all conspiratorial during that entire rebuilding process, if you're the arbiter of what is or isn't right, then you're also the arbiter of the conversations that we have. The other little things that get changed along the way, well, we have to do this because it it mm-hmm. serves the larger goal. But you can never you, – you, you have to be like the Winchester Mystery House out there, you know? <laughs> you can never stop building. Right. <laughs> because that, and and that's, the, that's the beauty of it. It's kind of like the climate change stuff yeah. where uh, it, it enters into all aspects of everything, giving you the maximum amount of control. Yeah. Well, Did they- you – yeah, I was yeah, going to say, it, well, to your point, this when I say Marxism, I'm talking cultural Marxism, not necessarily the economic Marxism. I'm talking cultural Marxism because right. all Marxism requires a struggle. There has to be white hats and black hats, right? There's got to be a bad guy for all Marxist uh, revolution to occur. If there isn't an enemy, then who are you fighting and what are you fighting for and about, right? You're defined by the presence of an opponent. And uh, like you said, so there's the, the work is always being done done there is always some enemy to root out and usually when you go down that path it starts off with the obvious enemies and then it starts getting a little bit more specific you start you know getting really uh specific about certain attributes about people or beliefs and what used to be acceptable because they were an ally now is no longer acceptable and you start whittling down your coalition uh and then usually like only the most ruthless uh survive I saw a tweet yesterday from a, a journalist uh, who's also a law professor uh, <laughs> by the name of Amana Gandhi. I know, right? Uh, I don't know if you saw this. She said, petition to put cis white dudes on a barge and float them out to sea. Now, before I point out how, from a historical standpoint, that hasn't that's literally created a lot of um, things that uh, people who are SJWs have a problem with, mm-hmm. a bunch of white guys on a flotilla of ocean-going vessels. <laughs> uh, but more importantly... That's a broad brush. Cis white dudes? Mm-hmm. 
that's your enemy right there. Once you whittle down, you get through the Marjorie Taylor Greens of the world. And there's a lot of firsts that are going on right now. Look, that's the stuff that Marjorie uh, Green, uh, Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Green, was was retweeting well before she was in there, mm-hmm. is the same stuff that we we make fun of here on the radio. Yeah, right? you know the blue avian, the, uh, the whatever it is. <laughs> Chemtrails. That being said, <laughs> yeah, right. That being said, um, are so you've now cracked that door because they've never done that where they went back and they said, all right, retroactively based on something from two years ago, uh, we've decided that we're going to go ahead and pull you off committees. Now, now it's like it's like getting rid of the uh, you know the filibuster. Yep. Uh, right. So, and and they are cracking these doors as fast as they can. Well, because where, they never where think do you see this going. Well, this is one of the it's one of the things they never they never recognize that the other team gets a turn at bat. Right. They they think that they always get to bat last. It gets and I don't. It's a double uh, baseball metaphor here. So uh, they always think the tie goes to the runner and the runner is them. Right. Like this is if there's ever a disagreement about something, it it, it can never just be, okay. well, you know, agree to disagree and we'll just leave it as it is. No, no. It has to be their way. It's got to be the default goes to them like, okay, well, we can't agree. So you just need to agree with me. And then we agree to agree. Like, well, that's not how that's supposed to work in every single situation. Situation. So, yeah, they keep cracking. The, and look, you say cracking the door. I, I expected them to the Democrats once in control in D.C. I expect them to run as fast, as far as possible, as quickly as they'll possible. Do it. Yeah, because they, they'll do it. Yeah, I think they learned from uh, the last time around, you know, oh uh, eight, oh nine, when they did not run as far and as fast as they could have. And they ended up losing in the next midterm election. So I think they're very worried that that's going to happen again. Right. Their margins are very slim. And so mm-hmm. they're going to I think they're going to just try to get as much done uh, by executive fiat as possible. Well, and, you know, the problem you run into is Republicans generally, when given that opportunity, are cowards. Yeah. Uh, and and the, the, let's talk uh, uh, curriculum for a moment. The Republicans were well within their power. They had the numbers uh, uh, when Common Core math came up. Right. Mm-hmm. They had the numbers. And what did they choose to do? They didn't get rid of it. They 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 chose to go along to get along. They, they took the vote. I remember talking to Dan Forrest about this. I said, what the hell happened? You guys had the numbers, but they didn't. Uh, they they didn't choose to do it, and they didn't choose to do it because they didn't want to upset the apple cart or irritate this group or that group or any of the rest, when in reality, that's what people, their constituents, wanted them to do whenever you polled them. Yeah, and I don't know if it's if it's partly due to, um, you know, uh, ignorance of how to make an argument, what the argument is really about, because, like, in, to bring it back to the uh, the Board of Education, the standards debate, you know, the the term critical race theory was never mentioned in any of the debates. I I, I listened to all of the yeah. two days worth of debates about this. They never talked about critical race theory. It never came up. But that's what they were debating. Right. Um, and yeah, no question. Right. And so when Robinson, to his credit, like like they all recognize something is wrong. Right. <laughs> the Republicans on the board, they recognize like they talked about the tone and we're not really sure that this is balanced. And and you know, uh, Lieutenant Governor Robinson says, uh, you know, I know all the code words and I know where this leads. Like so they they they're in the ballpark. Right. They know that something is amiss. But they don't call it what it is. And I don't know if that was intentional or that they just that they weren't aware of it and what what the philosophy actually is about, because the point of it all is, you know, to tear down those institutions and replace them with something else. In fact, one of the board members, James Ford, 
actually said, you know, that the um, that, that, that this stuff was uh, done for a different America at that time. And now we're ha- this is a new America, right. as he called it, a, a browner America. And it's like, well, wait a minute. Aren't we supposed to be here unified <laughs> under an idea that uh, we are all endowed by our creator with inalienable rights, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness? Isn't that the thing that we're supposed to be united around? Why would that be different for people of different colors? And if you believe the system is systemically racist, this was one of the arguments is that, well, you know, look at the three-fifths compromise. It's like, well, if the system allowed for racists to do racisty things, then what of the system that allows non-racists to repeal those racisty things? Does that make the system not racist anymore? No, no, no. Once it goes down that path, then it always is in that path. See, and this is, it's actually an argument for limited government. If you limit the government, you limit the ability of racists to pass racist policy. So we should all be for limiting government. <laughs> but, of course, that's the lesson that is also not uh, learned or no, discussed. No, it's for limiting the wrong government, Pete. Right. You just have to have the right <laughs> government. And once you have the right government, everything's Venezuela. Uh, and, and so I sit there and I watch all that stuff go down. Um, the governor did it, you know, did hold a press conference earlier this week where he did say, oh, it's time to reopen schools, mm-hmm. new info or what. But but re- but simultaneously refused to support the legis- <laughs> the legislation that would do it. Um, and then yesterday says, hey, by the way, I think I want to send twenty five hundred dollars to all the teachers. Right. Well, because they didn't get a raise last year, Casey. Like. I, you I will... can't imagine why. Hmm. <laughs> why that didn't happen. Right. But I mean, it just looks like a straight pay. Don't be mad at me, uh, Association of Educators. Here's 2500 bucks. It is. It's pretty amazing uh, how much influence they seem to exert for being hmm. such a tiny population. Um, it, it, it really is impressive. I, I it, Again, just as impressive as WRAL being able to call the people, you know, Klansmen and suffer no ramifications for it. It's impressive right. that the governor can get up there and say, oh, we're going to I want to give everybody bonuses because you didn't get raises. You didn't get raises because he vetoed the budgets. <laughs> this is He tried to use their their pay increases as leverage to get Medicaid expansion and for an election year issue. That's what he wanted. And so that's what he did, because Governor Cooper historically has you know, been very adept at sacrificing the interests of citizens in order to advance his personal political ambitions. So look at the repeal sure. of HB2. So, yeah, like, and then he gets up there and says, well, new research. I mean, this is the idea that that schools are low vectors for transmission. This has been known for seven months. Now, the problem they're having is they got to convince all the Democrats and the teachers that they've uh, that they've been talking to for months saying that, oh, my God, we're all going to die. Now they got to convince them. No, 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 you're not going to die. We need to reopen these schools because the polling is terrible. <laughs> so I can't uh, even imagine being a bar owner, too. And oh, my God. That. Yeah. I uh, just oh, just the heads <laughs> exploding, man. Uh pcalendershow.com is the uh, website and of course the uh, podcast uh, available through most of the uh, larger uh, podcast uh, um, platforms uh, systems yeah. platforms I yeah guess. yeah <laughs> it's already, friday it's already the weekend on friday man i hear you <laughs> so yeah so uh we'll chat next week and you're actually going to be doing some fill in on the show here in a couple weeks so. yeah i mentioned this uh, on your uh, facebook the other day you know the radio hosts always they ask people uh to fill in for them that are not good so this way their job is secure. So I, I've, I, I've always heard that theory, and I always do a lot of fill-in. So <laughs> that's what. So when you yeah. So when you asked me, I was like, okay, I see where I stand. Oh come on, man! I just need somebody <laughs> to talk about North Carolina politics. No, I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, it's going to be fun. 
Yeah, we haven't had to work for Ross for three hours, so. All right. All right, man. Have a good one. We'll talk next week. Have a great weekend, guys.